0: It was late August and the majority of Europeans were still enjoying the last days of summer when the news broke. Pakistan was hit by a monsoon of unseen strength. A few days later it became clear that this would result in the biggest humanitarian catastrophe the country had witnessed in the 75 years of its existence. At the same time, Europe's meteorological institutes came to the conclusion that 2022 was the hottest summer ever measured in the EU's history, and one of the driest too. My name is Elizabeth Minkoff, ICMPT communications officer, and today we will discuss the topic of climate change and migration. pleasure to welcome Aisha Kasarani, ICMPD Research Officer, who also happens to be from Pakistan. She brings in both the research perspective as well as the insight and knowledge into the cause of Pakistan. A very warm welcome, Aisha. Thank you for having me. I hope your family in Pakistan is doing okay and I hope you're doing okay as well, given the severity of the situation I understand this topic must be very personal to you as well. But nevertheless, I would like to set the scene and sort of look at the facts. It was very difficult for me to find reliable numbers of how many people are actually at the moment affected in Pakistan.
1: Thank you for asking. And my family is doing okay, thankfully. But just seeing the level of destruction in Pakistan, it... Uh, hits you emotionally, especially if you're not Mm. in the country and you're just observing everything from a distance. In terms of numbers, I agree that they are changing because it's an unfolding situation. Only now uh, the rains have slowed down or stopped and now we're getting to know the full extent of the destruction. To the best of my knowledge, there are about 33 million people that are affected by the floods, And uh, they're displaced. There are uh, as many as 1,500 people that have lost their lives. Uh, 400 of them are children. And over 12,000 people are injured in flood-related
0: events. So just to also understand the entire situation, how it unfolded, uh, the rain started in June?
1: Yes, the rain started in June. And that's normally the monsoon season. When it starts, it's late June uh, maybe early July lasts until August, uh, but this time around, the rain started early, more intensely, mm-hmm. and also in places that were not
0: affected by the monsoon that much in the previous years. Where did the where did the rainfalls occur, and which are the regions that are now mostly affected?
1: So, rainfalls in the monsoon season, they normally happen in uh, the northwest province, which is Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, and uh, Upper Punjab, Upper and Central Punjab, which is more towards the north of the country or central north of the country. But this time around, the rains also move down to the south to mm-hmm. Sindh province and Balochistan province. And uh, these are flat lands. They don't have mm-hmm. a very um, effective um, water drainage system. So if there are, right. what is there, if there is water coming to these places, it's really difficult for it to find a way because there are no natural pathways for the water mm-hmm. to flow.
0: Is it usually? Um, are these usually the areas that are also dry?
1: Yeah, these are uh, arid to semi-arid areas. They are dry. They're in Balochistan especially, which is the second most hit uh, Mm. province from this disaster. Um, There are no major rivers flowing. So all of these were hill torrents uh, that are higher in speed. And of course, there's no natural pathways for the water to flow. That's why the destruction is much higher. And it's not just the water flowing because when it's flowing Uh, from a distance, then it's taking along all the debris and the mud and all the bricks and stuff that the buildings are collapsing. So it hits with more force
0: when it goes down. Looking at the picture, it really reminds me of the pictures that we saw um, from the tsunami catastrophes, in fact. So it's um, pretty severe. It is,
1: um, sorry if I interrupt, it is quite severe because um, even when I was talking to my grandparents, uh, they were saying that, These are the worst floods that they have seen in their entire life. And this is a big statement because Pakistan has had floods before. So this is not the first time that Mm -hmm. uh, some regions have been affected. But this has been the most intense, uh, the biggest in scale. And that's why it's such a big deal even for Pakistanis who have experienced floods before. 33 million people is hard for people to understand how much that population is. And I just made some comparisons in relation to the population in Europe. And that's half the population of Italy, Mm -hmm. half the population of France, and the combined population of Austria, Hungary, and
0: Greece. That's 33 million people for Europe. It's very hard to to grasp the severity of the situation. Are there now already estimations of first how long it's going to take to rebuild, reconstruct and what the costs will be um, and of course what the current um, emergency measures are? So for
1: now, the priority is relief and uh, rescue. Mm -hmm. Rebuilding and reconstruction comes much later the estimates say that it would take about six months for the water to recede uh, from the places that it has affected. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, most of the places that are uh, most affected are flatlands. So there's absolutely no way for the water to Mm. drain anywhere. Mm. Um, So trying to build some sort of channels for drainage of water, that is also taking time. At the same time, there is this crisis of uh, people displaced Uh, There are now diseases unfolding because Mm. uh, waterborne diseases, even uh, malaria and skin infections that are becoming common. So even saying that um, 1,500 people have died because of the flood, there are more deaths coming in now later Mm. because of all these ensuing cascading effects. How is the country dealing with it? It's really difficult. It's, It's a difficult question to answer. There are so many different frontiers in which they have to deal with it the whole rescue operation then also providing for the people who are affected and uh, then finding long-term solutions as well because as I said Pakistan it experiences floods quite often so it it is a poor country in in economic Mm -hmm. terms Um, So it takes a long time to recover from one episode of floods. And by the time people are getting back to their lives, in some ways the next year comes and there are more rains and more floods. There are estimates that this time around the the economic loss alone is around uh, 20 billion. The conservative estimates are 12 billion dollars. The more Mm -hmm. realistic are 20 billion dollars. And that's a big loss to recover from. Uh, especially in a country sure. that already has high rates of poverty, high rates of unemployment, high inflation rates currently after the COVID pandemic mm-hmm. as well. So there is a lot that is going on. And this this flood is not the only crisis that Pakistan is facing right now, but it is surely the biggest one.
0: Looking at the bigger picture and looking at the long-term problems, Pakistan is part of the top 10 countries that are said to be most affected by climate change. Can you elaborate on why this is or what are the factors? How do they even measure this? So
1: Pakistan has been among the top 10 countries most affected uh, or most at risk from climate change or climate extreme events. And the, the this index is mostly uh, published annually by this organization called German Watch. And uh, basically what makes Pakistan vulnerable to climate change impacts is its uh, diverse terrain, um, the geographic terrain. So we have uh, the mountains and glaciers up in the north, about 7,000 mm-hmm. glaciers. That is uh, the third biggest reservoir of glacier, glaciers outside of the poles. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go southward, then there is more arid to semi-arid areas, and these areas are also the lifeblood of Pakistan's economy, and also the food basket of Mm -hmm. Pakistan. And also for a lot of other countries where Pakistan exports. And if we go further down to the south, there's the uh, Arabian Sea uh, that Mm -hmm. meets our coast. And there's also sea level rise and soil erosion over there. So what is happening lately that is being noticed is that the melting of glaciers... The high torrential rains um, during monsoon season, but also erratic rainfalls, because because of climate change, the patterns are changing, and that affects. The agricultural production timings and the scale and the intensity mm-hmm. uh, of the rains that affects that completely, and increasing desertification and soil erosion in the soil uh, in the south is also making it more vulnerable to climate change. So there are all these different effects that are um, influencing climate vulnerability of Pakistan. It does not have a uniform geographical terrain. Do we
0: have insight into factors that have added to climate change that are relatable and measurable in Pakistan at this point?
1: Yeah, it's very hard to pinpoint a specific year. Or you know, time period in which climate change impact started showing in Pakistan. But if we look at the average, then it has the temperature has risen in this region in South Asia in general, and uh, in Pakistan in particular as well. And that, as I mentioned earlier, that affects crop productivity and uh, the agricultural patterns in terms of emissions and pollution um pakistan contributes less than 1% to the global carbon emissions mm. so we cannot really link pakistan's own carbon emissions to the changing climate it's it's a global phenomena so climate change doesn't really follow borders like we do um it's not the effect of what pakistan is doing in terms of using certain fuels or, or producing carbon emissions that is affecting it. It's mostly um, agreed upon globally that it's the industrialization processes of other countries uh, due right. to which Pakistan is experiencing these impacts, and along with other countries as well, like small island states, mm-hmm. um, coastal areas. Bangladesh experiences floods quite often, quite regularly. And these countries do not necessarily have the capacity to deal with the, with the impacts that are not
0: even their own doing. Subsequently, what is currently the discussion in, in Pakistan also with regards to this problem?
1: So there is a great sense of climate injustice um, among the people of Pakistan, and of course there are uh, concerns about how the how responsive the government has been in terms of helping people. But in in reality, it needs resources. So as as much as we could have done, as much as the government could have done, the disaster this time is so big in scale that it couldn't have been handled and it is not being handled uh, alone. So the international community does uh, need to play its part. I found uh, recently that the UN has announced a flash appeal for about $160 million to help Pakistani uh, Pakistan in uh, recovering from the flood impacts. And the European Union has also pledged to provide $1.8 million for relief efforts in Pakistan. And this is all good and this is very helpful. But I think the initial sense of helping people that is decreasing as this becomes old news and there are more news coming in from across the world about different events. So I think we still uh, need to have a conversation about it and keep this um, cause on top
0: priority. If we look at migration now, because as ICMPD, we're dealing with migration. What can you say about the connection between migration and climate change? Is this something that you can already observe? Obviously, in Pakistan, it is something that you can see now. Because of the catastrophe, you have a lot of internally displaced people. So what's the situation now? And What are the estimations how it's going to evolve over the next years?
1: So the relationship between climate change and migration is quite complicated. Uh, Climate change is not just extreme events. It's not just floods. It is much more and it can come slower as well that, you know, we cannot just pinpoint that this movement is because of climate change. Because, for example, if it's um, a piece of land that is becoming infertile because of the environment around it because the temperatures are rising over time because of the difference in rainfall patterns Um, the productivity is not as it used to be for those people who are cropping on those lands they might find it helpful to migrate as a planned adaptation strategy to the nearest city or um, to the next big town. And that's what research has shown, that if it's climate-related migration or if climate is one of the factors that influences migration decisions, mostly people migrate domestically um, to the urban centers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the pattern uh, that is observable. But in these cases, it's very difficult to pinpoint that climate change is the reason behind this migration decision because it acts as a... Uh, what they call in the academic community, a threat multiplier. So it's not the sole factor that is driving migration. In case of floods or other big disasters or extreme events, it's displacement. So it's forced, it's involuntary, people were not planning to move, and they had to Mm -hmm. move because of the sudden catastrophe or Mm -hmm. crisis that they are experiencing. In those cases as well, uh, it is observed from previous research uh, that it's mostly uh, domestic. And most of the people, they return to the areas they migrated or they were displaced from once the condition is such that they can start living there again. But as we see that these um, processes or these events are becoming more and more frequent uh, almost Mm -hmm. every year, there is a concern that at some point these resources would there would be pressure on the existing resources, mm-hmm. uh, for example, in the recipient communities, in the urban centers. So there might be some ensuing impacts on migrations across the borders, maybe not by the same people who were affected by climate change, but because it is all related and how the resources in uh, in host communities are affected, there are pressure on the existing mm-hmm. uh, uh, facilities, uh, there's rising... Inflation generally, high unemployment rates. So all of those effects combined may have uh, linkages to international migration as well. Mm -hmm. But to date, saying climate change will lead to massive cross-border movement, that is not too clear scientifically.
0: So to sum it up, first of all, climate change or extreme climate-related events lead to internal Migration to urban centers, we can say more or less, that eventually may lead to uh, resource problems in those centers. Mm -hmm. That theoretically may then lead to cross border migration to understand kind of um, the linkage there. Exactly. But that's a very, very um, easy way of looking at it, but Mm -hmm. um, that's theoretically kind of the mechanism. Okay within ICMPD, but I think also outside as far as I've seen, the research field as such is relatively new. Do you think that this is something that we have to work on more in the future? And is this also something that is actually encouraged and where there is sufficient funding?
1: So we've seen that this topic has um, been growing in terms of international policy response. And we uh, we can st- We can read about it in the IPCC reports uh, on climate change that come out every year, that the human mobility and climate change, they have linkages. But it is very difficult to predict to what extent people would be moving because of climate change, where they would be moving, and depending on whether it is voluntary migration, migration as an adaptation strategy, Mm -hmm. or if it is involuntary or displacement, the Mm -hmm. response has to be different. And that is something that we need to start the conversation on uh, and have some uh, solutions prepared to deal with either situation. Because, of course, if, um, if migration is a planned strategy and we realize that there are people who can fulfill labor shortages in certain areas... They can be planned accordingly. But when it is extreme events and um, displacement, it's very hard to predict when it would happen and where people would move. So in those cases, in areas which are becoming inhabitable, it is important that uh, governments can foresee and also help planned relocation. Some researchers have also um, indicated that maybe development of intermediate cities within the countries is also a helpful uh, response to plan all of this the relocation to certain areas because the big cities are always uh, already under pressure in yep. certain areas so there has been this suggestion to start thinking about developing intermediate cities in
0: in recipient societies to host people overall it seems that it's such a interdisciplinary challenge that I think this is what makes it so difficult to tackle because it really means that the international community has to work together. The individual has to be on board as well. So people have to be educated about climate change and also fight certain forces that are opposing overall the concept of climate change. Uh, Yeah, and then again, as I said, the sort of interdisciplinary collaboration where often people don't really understand each other because they only look at their own uh, discipline the politicians look at politics environmentalists look at the environment and so on and so forth and that makes it quite difficult and then all of this at an international level but i think there are at least already some small changes happening now. We see that some politicians have really put it on their agenda. We do have the Paris Agreement. Pakistan has a Ministry of Climate Change, which I find also quite interesting. So coming back to, uh, to Pakistan, can this catastrophe, based on its severity, based on how large it is, based on the crazy numbers that you have mentioned earlier, in terms of the affected population, in terms of How much money and time will be needed for reconstruction? And based on the fact that suffering is still ongoing, based on all of this, can this catastrophe serve as a wake up call for the international community? And what would be required now, or what is required now, that the international community really starts taking action?
1: Definitely. Um, this event is a very loud wake-up call for the whole world, the international community, because as I said earlier, climate change impacts. They don't know any borders. It's it's Pakistan today. Um, there are floods in Puerto Rico, I yeah. think. As we speak right now, there are floods in other countries as well. And floods are not just the sole impact of climate change. There are droughts and famine expected in, in Africa. So... Mm. I don't think that the international community can just close their eyes to these crises happening across the world. It's very important to come together and to also realize the commitments everyone, all the countries have made in the Paris Agreement, and these international commitments. There is a pathway that the countries have agreed on. There are targets that countries have pledged to meet. There needs to be implementation on those tar- targets now. And I think these events like these can uh, can be a driver of more commitment or more action on those targets that are already prescribed. The impact of climate change are not just limited to the Global South, even though the countries in the Global, sou- global South are experiencing the impacts much worse today. But as we know that this whole process is just starting and We are expecting more severe impacts in the coming years. So
0: it's time that countries in the global south and north, they all take it seriously. That's very well said. And with this, dear Ayesha, I think um, we got a really, really good insight into this uh, entire complex of migration, displacement, also on the situation in Pakistan, of course. Once again, thank you very much. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you very much for being with us today. Please subscribe to our podcast, follow our social media. Thank you very much for listening and uh, see you next time. Stay up to date on ICMPD's activities and visit our website ICMPD.org. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media.